like to direct you to Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 11, very familiar passage of scripture, and we'll read down to verse 17, and it says this, put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And I'd like to preach this title, The Missing Piece of Armor. The Missing Piece of Armor. Or I could have titled it this, Why There is a Missing Piece of Armor. The reason why there is a missing piece of armor. Can we put our Bibles down? Let's lift up our hands in the name of Jesus. I pray your anointing minister to our hearts, our minds. Lord, speak to us, I pray. Help me as your humble vessel to deliver what you have poured into me, God. I pray that I would pour it out. And I ask it in the precious name of Jesus. And everyone said in Jesus' name. And the rest of you said in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing and worshiping. The Apostle Paul gives us a very detailed list of what he calls the whole armor of God. So that we may be able not only to stand, but to withstand attacks from the enemy. Without the armor of God, you cannot stand firm even when the enemy is not actively fighting against you. The whole armor of God keeps us from falling and from losing when the enemy does attack. Each piece of armor has a purpose, and each piece is specifically designed to protect us in different ways. The belt of truth guards our loins. The breastplate of righteousness guards our vital organs like heart and lungs. Our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This gives us solid footing and it guides our footsteps. The shield of faith is a movable defense mechanism against the unpredictable fiery darts of the devil. The helmet of salvation protects our mind. And finally, we are given one and only one offensive weapon. It is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And let me just pause and just preach for a minute and tell somebody it's time for some of us to stop playing defense and start playing some offense with the devil. Some of y'all just been moving your shield around. It's time for you to get the word of God out and start going on some offense. And you need to do like Jesus did when he was tempted 40 days and 40 nights by the devil in the wilderness. He simply responded to every temptation. He said, it is written, man 
shall not live by bread alone. You need to start looking at the devil and saying, devil, it is written. I will live, I will not die. Devil, it is written. God is for me, not against me. Devil, it is written. No weapon formed against me shall Somebody needs to start going on some offense this morning. And because God is bound to his word, God has chosen to bind himself to his promises, to his word. God is not a man that he should lie. He cannot lie. He will not lie. It's not in his nature to lie. And so when we stand on God's word, when we release his word, God is tied to his own word and he will not forsake his promises he will not forsake his word and so when the bible says lay hands on the sick and they shall recover you can lay hands with faith believing that god is bound to his word somebody ought to clap your hands this morning and give god praise the word the word now in all of this detailed list that the apostle paul gives us and we understand that most of this is metaphorically speaking but it gives us a vision in our spiritual mind of how God operates in our lives as we look at all of this spiritual armor that we put on and the weapon that we have the sword of the spirit there's one thing that to those who look closely you will notice that there is a piece of armor that is missing there is an entire area of your body that is not covered by the whole armor of God that the Apostle Paul mentions here. Have you ever noticed that there is not one single piece of armor that covers your back? Why? Because in times of war, God protects your back. Oh, somebody's going to wake up this morning. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost starting to move in this place. In the Old Testament, some of you need a little more explaining here, so I'm going to help you out. In the Old Testament, God sent a deliverer by the name of Moses. His people had been in captivity for hundreds of years. They were slaves in the land of Egypt. And so God sent Moses, and Moses went before Pharaoh and said, Let my people go. And Pharaoh hardened his heart over and over and over again until finally God sent so many plagues and things got so bad in Egypt that Pharaoh eventually said, I want you to get out of here. Just take your stuff, take my stuff, take your stuff, whatever you want, just take it. I'm going to tell you, when you start preaching the word into the face of the enemy, you're going to start coming out of the world with more than you had in the first place. Some of you need to come out from among them and be separate. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen when you start coming out of the world. God is going to fill your hand with blessings that you never thought possible. God is going to load you down with blessings. And so they left the land of Egypt. And Exodus 13 tells us that uh, they were trying to decide exactly what to do. And Exodus 13 and 17 says this, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, even though that was the shortest route. They didn't have to go into the wilderness. It would have been much shorter. It would have been more practical. And if they hadn't been trusting the Lord, they would have looked at one another and said, listen, 
We don't need to go through the wilderness. We need to go through the land of the Philistines. That'll get us there a whole lot faster. But God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war in the land of the Philistines and try to return back to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt. And the Bible says they were equipped for battle. So God purposely took them through the wilderness. He purposely led them in front of an impassable Red Sea. All of this time they're traveling in the wilderness. They were equipped. They were ready for battle. But God knew they were not ready to fight a battle. God knew that a battle might tempt many of the Hebrews to return back to Egypt, back to bondage, and go right back to the lifestyle that they had been delivered from in the first place. That ought to preach to somebody right now. That's where some of you are right now. You've been in some battles, and now you're thinking about going back to Egypt. Let me just preach to you for a minute. Don't look back. Don't go back. Don't stop. Don't give up. You better keep on moving. If God takes you through a wilderness, you just keep on walking because the wilderness is God's way of keeping you from battles that you cannot win. <laughs> and so, now, as they traveled through the wilderness, some of y'all are going to wake up in a minute here, God strategically positioned himself. Exodus 13, 21, and the Lord went before them. Ha, <laughs> ha. By day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way and by night in a pillar of fire. And he took not away the pillar of the cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before. Someone shout before. From before the people as they traveled through the way of the wilderness that God was taking them on purpose to keep them from having to fight battles they weren't ready to fight. God traveled in front of them. Because when we are not in a battle, God leads us and guides us. He goes before us, even in the wilderness, even in the darkness of night, even in the hot desert places. God is always before us. God is showing us where to go. God is preparing the way. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That's what God does when we're going through the wilderness. He goes before us. He sets the crooked paths straight and directs us away from battles that we are not prepared to fight. And eventually, the wilderness dead-ended against the Red Sea. And the Hebrews could not go forward. And when they looked back, they saw behind them in hot pursuit the entire army of Pharaoh and Pharaoh himself. And they were speeding towards them very, very quickly. They had horses. They had chariots. They were one of the most powerful armies in the entire world at that time. And they were coming to attack God's people. And the Hebrews did exactly what God had predicted they might would do. They started talking about giving up. 
They started talking about going back. They said, Moses, have we been delivered from Egypt just to die out here in the wilderness? Did God really set us free just so we could die out here? What have you done, Moses? Why would you lead us into this mess? Why would you take us to an impassable Red Sea that we cannot physically cross and we're going to be slaughtered? That's exactly what they said. Some of them were wondering maybe if we just went back and told Pharaoh that we're sorry, maybe he'd let us go back and be a slave. You know, that's where some Christians are today. They think maybe, maybe I could just go back to the way it used to be. Can I tell you, there is no such thing as going back to the way it used to be. Once you've tasted freedom, once you've tasted God, once you've had a touch of the Holy Ghost, you can never go back. You will never be able to go back. And as all of this chaos is taking place, that is when Moses shouted, Stand still! That's one of my favorite lines in the Bible. I can just see Moses. Here Pharaoh's coming and the Red Sea's rushing and the roar of the water and the people are grumbling. And Moses, I believe he, the Bible doesn't say he shouted it, but you know what? I believe he shouted it. I feel like doing it again. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. In other words, hold your ground. Don't turn around. Don't go back. Don't give up. Hold your place. Don't go back to where God delivered you from in the first place. Oh, somebody needs to clap your hands and say amen. Now, let me show you something really cool about this story. Moses tells the people to stand still and then he cries out to God for help. And in the very next verse, God says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell these people to move forward. See, we get stuck on this standstill business, but you know, really, he was just trying to tell them it was an expression. Don't go back. You know, just stay here. And then God said, it's not enough for you to just not go back. Oh, I'm going to help somebody. Some of you think it's just enough to stay right. Well, I'm just where I've been for 30 years. God's telling somebody this morning, you need to get up and go forward. But preacher, there's a red sea. Get up. Go forward. Don't go back. Don't stay here. Go where God's telling you to go. It's time for you to get moving because God is calling us to move forward in the spirit. And so they, they look at Moses and say, where are we going to go? There's a Red Sea there. And so God looks at Moses and said, you see that rod? You see that staff in your hand? And can you imagine being Moses? Now, Moses had experience with that because he had already had times where God used his rod. He threw it down. It turned into a snake. Can I just tell you, if I threw a rod down and it turned into a snake, me and God would have to have a long talk. Yeah. So Moses had experiences with God using this supernaturally. And God said, I want you to take that rod. I want you to stretch it out towards the Red Sea. And when you do, I'm going to work a miracle. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to do something powerful. You just stretch out that rod and tell the people to get moving. And so Moses was obedient and he stretched out that rod and God divided the sea. He sent a strong wind from the east and west. 
pushed that sea, and it was a miracle. It wasn't some kind of a natural phenomenon. This was a supernatural miracle. God not only parted the water, but he dried up the ground, that muddy ground that no, no horse, no donkey, nothing would have been able to get through that ground. God dried it up, and he said, I want you to step onto this dry ground, and I want you to walk through the water and go all the way to the other side. Now, as the people began to be obedient to God, everybody still with me? The people are obedient to God. They start moving forward. Until this moment, God had always been going before them in the wilderness. But now, God, oh, I'm about to feel a revelation here for somebody. Now, God changes positions. Watch this, Exodus 14 and 19. And the angel of God which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind Somebody needs to get this revelation. God changed positions and he went behind his people and the pillar and the cloud and the angel and God's presence went behind the people of Israel. Listen, there was millions of them. They couldn't get across the Red Sea in a few minutes or even a few hours. This was going to be an all day and an all night thing. And so God went behind his people and the Bible says that Egypt was not able to go through the cloud and the pillar of fire that God placed between him and his people. I'm going to tell you what was happening. God had their back. God was fighting their battle. God went before them in the wilderness and he went behind them in battle because you don't need armor on your back because God's got your back. And not only that, God did what they never could have done in their own battle. When the Egyptians tried to pursue them and they tried to cross through that same Red Sea pathway that they had just watched the Israelites go through, God said, no, sir, I'm going to collapse this sea right over the top of your head. God took an entire army out, one of the most powerful armies in the world. God wiped them out with one breath of wind. He said, it's over. This battle is done because God will fight behind you and God will win victories that you could never win on your own. Clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you will go, you may be seated. I'm, I'm, I'm quickly moving. If you will go in the direction that God calls you to go. And that's the key. God will not fight your battles behind you if you refuse to go the direction he tells you to go. See, a lot of people want God to have their back, but they want to follow their own lead. God has the back of people who go where he tells, ikatasa, where he tells them to go. If you will go where God tells you to go, you will never need armor for your back. Because in times of war, God protects you and defends you from every enemy that would try to stab you in the back. 
And let me just pause and say, that doesn't just mean demons. God will protect you from people who try to stab you in the back if you will go where God tells you to go. If you will follow his lead, God will guard your back. God will protect you. God will keep you. But you have to obediently pursue God's will. In Joshua chapter 3, some of you still aren't convinced. In Joshua chapter 3, Joshua is finally leading the people into the promised land. And as they are about to cross the raging river Jordan, he tells the people to form a line behind the Ark of the Covenant. He said, I want the Ark of the Covenant. I want God's presence. I want it to be in front of you at all times. In fact, he said, I want it to be far enough away from you that you don't accidentally disobey God and touch the ark. I don't want anybody getting too close. That is God. That is the present. It's holy. It's sacred. It's sanctified. And I don't want anybody getting too close to the glory of God. He said the priests are going to carry it on their shoulders. And I want you to get behind it because God is going to lead us as we're coming out of the wilderness and going into the promised land. And so... They do. They follow it. And when they do, the Levites have the ark on their shoulders. And when the ark goes into the raging river Jordan, God does a similar miracle as the Red Sea. He parts the waters. And the Levites step onto dry ground. And God's people follow behind. And they step through the river Jordan. And finally, they enter into the promised land. Because God always goes before us when we are in the wilderness and when we are not in times of war. But when they came face to face with Jericho, how many remember the walls of Jericho, the Sunday school story we've all heard so many times? This was a war moment. God realized that his people... We're going to have to fight a battle at Jericho. How many understand that even after the walls came down, they still had to go into the city and fight a battle? And so God instructed Joshua. He said, I want you to tell the people you're going to march around the walls of Jericho for seven days. On the seventh day, you're going to march seven times. And then you're going to shout with victory and you're going to blow the trumpet. And he said, now what I want you to do is I want you to reposition the Ark of the Covenant. I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant from before you. And I want you to take that Ark. And I want you to take the priests and the Levites. And I want you to get your warriors together. Have them put on their armor. Everybody okay? I want you to get them all ready for war. But then I want you to put the Ark behind the warriors. And when you go into battle, the, the very presence of God is going to be defending you from behind. You're going to have to do some fighting. You're going to have to go into battle. But you can rest assured, God has your back. God is fighting for you from behind. You don't have to wonder, is there going to be a sneak attack from somewhere back there? No, God will be there. And he will be keeping you. And he will be guarding you because God always leads in times of safety and he always goes before us in times of war which by the way would explain why Jesus would say get thee behind me somebody needs to say that right now get thee behind me Satan 
Do you know that's the most... I've often wondered, why would you want your enemy behind you? I'll tell you why you want your enemy behind you, because that's where God is in times of war. You're saying, I I can't fight you anymore, devil. Get behind me. God's back there. He's going to take care. Somebody needs to start saying that right now. Get behind me, Satan, in Jesus' name. I I can't fight you anymore. I've come to the end of my resource. My arms are tired. My spirit's weary. My mind is exhausted. I can't fight another moment. Get behind me. God's going to take care of your devil. Get behind me because God is about to fight my battle. Musicians come. Musicians come. I'm closing. Paul said this later in Philippians 3 and 13. He said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are, (laughs) and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You don't have to worry about the things behind you if you're pressing towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You don't have to worry about your past, your failures, your sins. If you are following after the prize, if you are striving towards the mark, if you are reaching towards God and allowing him to lead you in the wilderness times, can I tell you, That all of your old sins, all of those old condemnations that the enemy tries to throw in your mind. Every time you try to come to an altar and pray, the devil starts putting your past in your mind. He starts trying to make your past your future. He starts trying to make your past your present. You know what you need to do? Get thee behind me, Satan. I'm forgetting about those things which are behind me. I don't have to worry about those things anymore. I know I used to be a liar. I know I used to be a cheater. I know I used to fail, but all of that's behind me now. And I put those things behind me because in times of war, God takes those things, covers them with his blood. He throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. And all of the stuff that I can't forget that I did, God has already forgotten. And God is calling somebody this morning to stop looking back, to stop standing still, and start pressing towards the mark. And you can rest assured that God has all of that stuff behind you. He's got all your failure. He's got all your sin. He has all your mistakes. He's taking care of all of those things. If you will press towards the mark. Stand with me. I'm closing. The Lord gave me a very specific word for someone in this room. I don't know who it is. Gave it to me at about three in the morning. Hold on. And then I want you to play. When you can't see the hand of God working, and that's where somebody is right now, you're going through a wilderness and you can't see God anywhere. When you can't see God working, It's usually because God is behind you, protecting you from things that you can't even see. Somebody needs to lift up your hands and receive that right now. 
Some of you are struggling. You're wondering where God is. You're wondering why you can't feel him. You're wondering why you can't see his hand. I'm going to tell you why. God's fighting a battle for you. A battle you can't even see. He's fighting an enemy that was coming against you. You didn't even know it was coming against you. As a child of God, we always have something to be thankful for. Let me tell you something God revealed to me a long time ago. For every one battle that we have to fight, there are at least a hundred others that God took care of behind us before we ever knew about it. For every one trial we have to go through, there's a hundred other trials that God took care of. For every enemy you have to face, there's a hundred enemies that tried to stab you in the back. And God said, no, I've got their back. You can't touch them. You can't have them. That's my child. And so I want this altar to be open right now. I want someone who's in a wilderness. I'm preaching to someone specifically. You're in a wilderness. And you can't see and feel exactly what God is doing. You can't understand exactly why God is doing things the way he's doing. In fact, you're not sure if he's doing anything. I think you ought to just come to this altar and lift up your hands and say, Lord, I realize that I've got to put on the whole armor of God. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to have the sword. I'm going to have the helmet of salvation. I'm going to have the breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to have the shield of faith. But God, I'm trusting that you are guarding my back. Somebody needs to come put your trust in God right now. Somebody needs to come and say, Lord, I know you've got my back. God, I know you're good. God, I know you're keeping me. God, I know. I know that you're keeping me. Somebody ought to come praise him in the wilderness right now. Somebody ought to come and shout in the wilderness right now. Clap your hands, make a joyful noise. Blow the trumpet and shout. Praise him for the victory. Yeah, yeah. Weapons we use on our bombs and guns. Worship is the way that the battle is won. This is the way that we fight. Praise him for the victory. Lift up your voice and sing for joy. Clap your hands, make a joyful noise. Blow the trumpet and shout. Praise him for the victory. Somebody's feeling stronger. The weapons we use on our bombs and guns. Worship is the way that the battle is won. This is the way that we fight. Oh, praise him for the victory. Oh, I can't stop. I can't stop praising his name. I just can't stop praising his name. I just can't stop praising his name, Jesus. I can't oh. stop. I can't stop praising his name. I just can't stop praising his name. I just can't stop praising his name, Jesus. Lift up your voice and sing for joy. Clap your hands, make a joyful noise. Blow the trumpet and shout. Praise Him for the victory.